Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. Great to have this opportunity to open up God's Word again and study a little bit more from those rich teachings and truths, those blessings and promises, and yes, those corrections, admonitions, those exhortations, and even those warnings and corrections in our lives. Thank you for being with us again today. You know, it really is encouraging for us to hear from our listeners, to know that there are so many who are listening every day or close to it. There are others who are listening on a, on a frequent basis, but they can't listen every day because of schedules and their conflicts in their lives with uh, being able to be at the radio at this particular time. There are others who are listening maybe for the very first time or the very first few times. And we encourage you, if that's your case, that you will that you will continue to listen, and our prayer is that you'll quickly come to realize that we do exactly as the name of the program suggests. We search the scriptures. We get into God's word, and not just on a surface-level basis, but we dig deep. We look at it in, in detail, and we try to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily life. So if you're listening for the first time or the first few times, our prayer is that you're growing in your knowledge of God's word, and thereby that you're growing in faith, because faith does come by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And we want to help you grow in your faith. We want to help you come close to God. In fact, we want to help you get to heaven. That's really, bottom line, what this program is about glorifying God by teaching his word accurately and effectively and helping as many people as possible to come to him for forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. So that's our prayer for you. Now at the end of the program, we'll tell you how you can contact us. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. You can jot down that information and then contact us. Ask for the free Bible study that we always offer and it will help you to learn the basics right from God's word of what God expects from you in order to come to him for salvation and in order to have eternal life and have that confidence that the place in heaven is waiting for you after this physical life is over. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD. Now both of these opportunities, both of these offers are absolutely free and we'll even pay the, pay, pay the postage. So have that pencil or pen and piece of paper ready, and at the end of the program, we'll tell you how to contact us. I also want to take just a moment to encourage you to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. And on that website, you can click on the Listen button, and you can listen to all kinds of radio programs that are archived there. You can also uh, listen to sermons that are archived there. And today's Bible classes, which are daily, short, about 13-minute studies that we do each day. And you can click on the, on the articles button, and you can pull up literally hundreds of biblically-based articles through which you can study further on your own and learn more and more of God's Word. Now, you can scroll down the home page to the podcast button. You can click on that, and in about, oh, 60 seconds, you can sign up for our podcasting. And then you will receive to your device all of our sermons, all of our Bible classes, all of our 
daily Bible classes and all of our radio programs, they'll go automatically to your device for free. And so all of that is there for your opportunity to continue to access all of these study materials and thereby grow in your faith, come closer to God. So we hope, we pray that you'll take advantage of these opportunities. Now, we're going to get back into our study on grace. God's grace by the grace of God. We've been looking at this in depth. Now, we're going to spend some time on this particular study and look at it from different aspects, different perspectives. And we've been talking about just what is grace. And it's very difficult to define in words. I think easier to describe than it is to define. And we talked about technical definition being God's unmerited favor. The idea being God extending his favor to us when we don't deserve it, when we don't earn it, when we don't have it coming, when we should not expect it. But God extends his favor to us in different ways anyway. We talked about justice being getting what we deserve, mercy being not getting what we deserve, and grace being our receiving goodness, which we do not deserve, should not expect, do not have coming. Well, we've also looked at the acrostic that is formed from the letters of the word grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense, pointing to the fact that God offered his son on that cross to pay the price for the guilt of our sins so that through him we could be forgiven and saved, redeemed, brought back into a right relationship with God and be able to expect an eternal home with him in heaven. All of that talks about grace, God's grace toward us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, John 3.16. Perhaps the most known and quoted verse of scripture in the entire Bible. But Paul got a little deeper in his statement along those lines in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. When he said, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so God created man in God's own image with a soul. Now, he created us physical beings, physical with physical bodies, but he created us with that spiritual soul within us. And in that way, he created us in his own image. That's not to say we look like God in physical appearance because God is spirit and we are physical beings. But with that soul, we have that spiritual essence and identity. And in that way, God created us in his own image. He loved us and gave us a chance to live forever in what could probably be described as paradise on earth without sin. And that was in the Garden of Eden the first man, the first woman. But they sinned anyway. They sinned. And in sinning, they disobeyed God. They rebelled against God. And God could have said, that's it. I gave them such a chance. I created them in my own image. I wanted them to be with me forever in heaven. 
And they did this. They turned their back on me, basically. They sinned against me because all sin ultimately is against God. But instead, God still loved mankind. And so he already, in his omniscience, his foreknowledge and his all-knowingness knew that they were going to sin. And he already had a plan for their redemption, for their forgiveness, and their salvation. So although man deserved judgment and punishment and condemnation, God loved man anyway and made a way for him to be brought back into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We call that reconciliation. Now that, in spite of man's disobedience to, disrespect for, and rebellion against God, God's love, God's grace is exhibited in what he did for us. He made the way for us to come back to him. Now we've talked about how so many people, so many churches, and it's very prevalent within the denominational world, they teach about grace and salvation by grace as though there is nothing on our part that is expected by God in relation to our salvation. And they do quote a number of verses that focus upon the grace of God in terms of our salvation such as Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then they seem to have a problem, or maybe ignore, or try to explain themselves around other passages of Scripture that talk about response that is expected by God on our part, to his offer of salvation by grace. Peter on Pentecost, when he was preaching that first recorded gospel sermon as the church was established upon this earth and after Jesus had ascended back to heaven, he told those Jews gathered there, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now he was not implying that there could be something that they could do on their part that would effect their salvation. No, that's only by God's grace. But he was telling them, you need to make a response. You need to do what God expects you to do. Now, we noted that the first thing that, Jesus, uh, that Peter said when he was first asked by a multitude of those Jews on that day, Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when they said, what shall we do? The first recorded word in response in Scripture that we have written down for us is he said, repent, repent. Now, repent is an active response on our part. And we must repent of our sins because the wages of sin is death. Without forgiveness, we cannot expect the gift of God which is salvation through Jesus Christ, Romans 6 and verse 23. So we must repent of our sins. We cannot continue to live in our sins and expect God to extend his grace to us through the action of salvation. Again, the wages of sin is death. Jesus said, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Peter and John, 
sometime after Pentecost, still in Jerusalem, preaching to another multitude, said, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So he said there's, you need to repent, and that repentance is necessary so for your conversion, so that you can be forgiven. We also noted that prior to repenting, we have to believe in God. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 tells us, without faith, it is impossible to, be, to please him. And he who would come to God must believe that he is. We must believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Jesus said, except you if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So when we come to believe in those, that's active belief. We have to actively come to that kind of faith. But just believing intellectually is not enough because as we've already seen, the belief should lead us to the repentance. And then we noted also, or we began to get to the point where God expects us to be obedient to him. Expects us to be obedient to him. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we look at this from something of the reverse perspective. And here we get kind of a nutshell kind of image of the final day of judgment. In chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians, it talks about when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 7 and 8. Now, obedience is obviously essential to our salvation. Because at judgment, the Lord is going to bring into judgment, take vengeance upon those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Interesting, isn't it? That's response. You talk about active response on our part. That certainly is active response that God expects of us in regard to his offer of saving us by his grace. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 22, Peter, writing this to Christians, says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. He said, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Now, had they done that themselves somehow? They purified their own souls? That's not what Peter is saying. Just as what he said on Pentecost when he said, save yourselves, was not suggesting that they could save themselves by themselves, in and of themselves. No, he's saying you obeyed the truth which God expects of you. You've repented of your sins. You've confessed your faith in Christ. You've obeyed the gospel that you are going to be held accountable for obeying. Now, that's, that's important. The Hebrews writer was very clear 
in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. He talked about how Christ, Jesus, learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Did Jesus really need to learn obedience? Of course not. He's God the Son. But as a human being, he went through that process, and that ought to impress upon us our need to learn obedience. If he had to go through that process, being God the Son, though he was also in human form, we certainly need to learn obedience. And then the next verse says, and having been made perfect, he became the author or source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9. Now, did you get that? There's really no way to explain around that direct statement of our need to obey, to be obedient to Christ in connection with our being saved. And God is the only one who saves us, and totally by his grace, but he expects our response. He expects us to believe in him. He expects us to believe in his Son as our Lord and Savior. He expects us to repent of our sins. He expects us to obey the gospel, to obey the truth. It's no wonder that Peter said, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Because Jesus said back in John chapter 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Truth shall make you free from what? Slavery? Physical slavery? Make you free from bondage to some foreign power? No, obviously. Make you free from the condemnation and penalty of death because of sinfulness. And so Peter says, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. The Hebrews writer says that as Jesus went through that process of learning obedience through the things which he suffered, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And we remember that Jesus said in John 14 and verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. That means obey my commandments. John the Apostle wrote in 2 John, only one chapter in that short letter, verse 9, whoever transgresses and does not abide in, that is live in, live by, the doctrine of Christ, that is the teaching of Christ, does not have God. Now, you see, when you reject God's word, doctrine, you reject God. And so we must live by his teachings. That infers automatically, naturally, that we must be obedient to those teachings. God expects that response from us in offer of salvation by his grace. He offers us salvation. Only he can save us, only by his grace. But he expects us to respond through faith, through repentance, and through obedience to his teachings. 
In John chapter 1 and verse 17, it says the law, referring to the law of Moses, was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law of Moses was that spiritual law under which the Israelites lived in Old Testament times. But you see, it was never meant to be God's final law to mankind spiritually. It was to lead them up to the coming of the Savior, the Messiah. And he would bring the ultimate message of salvation, which is the gospel of Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of God's grace when God sent him to this earth to be the Savior, to die on that cross, to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. What kind of obedience does God expect of us? Well, when Jesus told the apostles on the day he ascended back into heaven, as recorded in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Now there's obedience to the gospel message of salvation. And it is the gospel that, has, that holds the message of salvation. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, a whole lot of people, they want that statement to he who believes to mean just believe and that's it. That's all you got to do. That's all you can do. But now, what did Jesus tell the apostles to, to preach? The gospel. And what did he say should be the response of those who listen? He who believes and is baptized, there's obedience to the gospel, shall be saved. Now, you know, people jump through all kinds of hoops and go through all kinds of mental gymnastics trying to explain away what that verse says, but you can't do it. It says what it says. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Jesus became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. God expects that response on our part. Our faith, that has to be active faith, in repenting of our sins and being baptized into Christ. Oh yes, that is how we get into Christ. Romans 6 and verse 3, we're baptized into Christ. And as we're baptized into Christ, we're baptized into his death. In Galatians 3 and verse 27, we're baptized into Christ. And in being baptized into Christ, we put on Christ. He becomes the active Savior in our lives. It's like we wrap him around us in our life like we would put on a garment and wrap it around our bodies. Grace. What God expects of us in response to his offer of salvation by grace. We'll continue this study next time. Let's pray together now. 
Father, thank you so much for loving us so much, and thank you, Father, for your offer of grace. Please guide us to be the active recipients of your grace, responding in the ways you would expect us to, believing and repenting of our sins, and turning to you with all of our heart in obedience as we're baptized into Christ, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins. Please, Father, help us and others in your church to make this message of salvation known throughout the whole world. Please, Father, we pray. Please forgive us, gracious Father. This is our prayer. In Christ's name, amen.